Our opinions aren't too tough, rough, or gruff. We are proof that you don't have to be an expert to have an opinion. So just... Shut up and sit down. This is Sports Stuff with Jim and Muff. This is Sports Stuff with Jim and Muff. Yay. Listen to the applause in the background. It's more like tears, Muff. It's more like tears. Well, the noise effect I just tried to insert myself could be construed as a lot of different things, but... Yes, you're right. What a crappy week, ladies and gentlemen. As I still want a beer. I almost gave up sports. So let's do uh, what I'm calling college fo- the death of college football, part de- part two, the sequel. The French for two. Dose. Yeah. Spanish for two. Spy. German for two. Pick any of the above. Part two. So let me begin the roller coaster. When we recorded this show, Sunday, as we talked about, there were rumors. They're going to cancel it. And all we could do was pray that we were wrong. This is last week's episode. (laughs) Yep. And we were praying. We had a hunch they were going to do it. But there were some glimmers. Monday came around. Players were uh, were talking. Parents were talking. There was a hashtag. We hashtag want to play. We want to play. President Trump said, hey, let him play. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence being the quarterback for Clemson. Justin uh, Fields for Ohio State. Came out with uh, a movement that some players were getting behind. Jim Harbaugh, first thing in my opinion he's ever done right, came out with his own statement, a well-written statement. I think he had help crafting it. He was probably wearing his spikes while crafting it, if he did craft it, saying, this is what Michigan's doing. And you know what? Some of the things they were doing, testing all the time, and not just COVID testing, but they were running their players through physicals. And I'm going to get back to that. But he, he said, look, we can do this. Michigan is setting the the trend. And then there were some grumblings. Uh, on the Dan Patrick show, he said, listen, the Big Ten had taken a vote, and 12 to 2, they were going to cancel the season. Those two no votes were Nebraska and, Nebraska oh, and oh. Iowa. Imagine that. The heartland of the country denying that there should be an issue. And those votes made uh, Ryan Day, Scott Frost, James Franklin come out and say, whoa, 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 we're willing to fight for our teams. Scott Frost even said, listen, if you do this, we're going to go elsewhere. Now, Ryan Day and James Franklin weren't as adamant about going elsewhere, but they did say they would explore other avenues if they canceled the season. So the Big Ten said, wait, 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 there was not a vote. That is uh, not true. And that left at the end of the day, it was, uh uh-oh, maybe we will have a college football season. Maybe this is all fake news. But in your heart, you kind of felt, uh uh-oh, there will be a death bell. Here it comes. 
Okay, before before you drop the hammer, mm-hmm. before the hammer is dropped, I would like to take everyone on a journey. And unfortunately, we all know the tragic end to this journey. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we're going to take us through. So I want everyone to picture this. Picture, it's late September. Saturday morning. You wake up after good night's sleep. You're like, you know what? I had a hard week at work. It's time for me to sleep in for an extra hour. If you don't have kids or anything, you know, you get that little bit extra in you. You get up and you're like, ah, feeling good. I'm going to go get a workout in, get a run in, get a walk in, whatever. I'm going to go feel some of that crisp, that crisp and cool early, early to middle autumn air. You know, you get that, you get that air and you're feeling refreshed. You're feeling rejuvenated. You go back, you get yourself a nice little breakfast. You get the little smell of eggs and maybe some bacon and uh, maybe a pancake or two. Get that, get that in your tum-tum ready to take on the day, right? Go into the den, go into the living room. What do you, what do you switch on? College game day. Why the hell not? Let's, let's take a listen to what's going on for the day. Let's, uh, let's see what, you know, Herb Street, let's hear what uh, Lee Corso's got going on. Desmond Howard, I don't even know who else is on it at this point anymore. Maria Taylor. Or you watch Fox. You watch Fox. You can watch Fox if you want. But if you're, if you're a traditionalist, you're going to game day. Sure. You're going for it. You're going to listen to Maria Taylor, maybe a little SVP. Um, get, a little, get, a little, get, a little, uh, get a little special section in there. Make, you, make your heart feel happy. You're getting preparation. You're getting, you're getting kind of pumped up. There may not be a noon game you're super excited about, but if you're me, you're doing a little, little action. You're looking at, okay, let me put a couple bets on these noon games. Why not? A little small yep. bets, see how things go. Get ready for that noon kickoff. Inevitably, it's going to be Rutgers versus somebody. Yeah. Maybe yeah, even absolutely. Northwestern or Purdue playing if you're a Big mm-hmm. Ten fan. Maybe, you know, one of those low-level ACC games or an AAC game. But anyway, mm-hmm. you know what? You still got football to watch starting at noon. Yep. So you're kind of excited. You're like, oh, yeah, we're into it. You get to halftime, you decide, you know what? It's time to put on put on that good dinner. That middle Man, You're making me real sad right now. That aroma, Jim. You know what that aroma is. Yeah. Got a little, bit of, a little bit of meat in the crock pot with some chili beans, mm-hmm. some tomato sauce. Toss Why are you pep- doing this to me, Matt? pepper in there. Toss that thing on low. So you know what? About halftime of those 3.30 games, guess what you got ready for you? You got that chili. You got that chili. Mm-hmm. That chili is ready to go. You get through yep. those new games, 3.30 games kick off. You know it's a 3.30 ABC game. It's probably going to be a pretty good matchup in the Big Ten. Yeah. You know, you're thinking of you know, Michigan, maybe Michigan, Michigan State. Um you know, you may even have a Ohio State-Penn State game on at 3.30. You know, it's some relevant game. So, 3.30, you're, you're jacked up. Yep. So, you get into that. Your team hopefully is winning, unless it's anybody playing Penn State, and then hopefully you're losing. Or if, in Jim case, it's somebody playing Ohio State, you're losing. But you get to halftime. Toss a little bit of that chili in there. I know mm-hmm. Jim's got to cut some spaghetti down on the bottom of it. That's right. He's going to toss a little hot sizzle in there. Maybe a little bit of bread, dipping bread, some dipping sauces. Muff, come on, man. You're killing me. So we get through 330 games. Your team is one. What's next? You got that primetime game. That primetime game. Maybe it's a Big 12 matchup where they're going to, you're going to see 100 points. 
They just want they just want you to get excited about offense. Maybe it's mm-hmm. a, a huge SEC game, an SEC showdown. Anyway, you've got more football. And guess what else you can do for that 8 o'clock primetime game, Jim? What's that? You can toss some more money down because you know your mm-hmm. bet's probably lost at the beginning of the day. So it's time to make up for it. You've got to double yep. down on it. Yep. Time to go. You get through that 830, you hear that sweet, sweet, sexy voice of Kirk Herb, Herb, Herb Street just telling you what's going on in that game, picking plays apart, dissecting the game for you just to feel like you're in the moment. It's time to go. Herb Street's got you on the field. Get through that game. Your heart's beating. Man, I can't wait for this next week. Oh, nay, nay, nay. You don't have to wait for next week because guess what comes on at 9, 10, and 11 o'clock? The West Coast games. So you got the West Coast games. You know, usually not something us on the East Coast are super psyched about, but it's still an option. And again, I, I, I say again, there's still time to put more bets down. There's still time to get money on the table and make up for what you have lost throughout the day. And you know what? Get a little second bowl of chili in there while you're at it. Yep. Your tum-tum, wash down some of those brewskis you put put down. Um, it's time to, time to put a little something in there to soak up the alcohol that maybe you've been chomping on since about 3 or 3.30. And you know what? You just ride that out until you just fall asleep into that sweet, sweet abyss of yeah. what is college football on a Saturday. Yep. Yeah. So, oh. now that we've got everybody in their feels – thinking, oh, shit, it is time. It is time for football to take place. Pick up where you left off, Jim. Drop the hammer on him. Tuesday. The dark day. We're going to call it so th- We're going to call it Dark Tuesday. Forever known as the day the college football died, Don McLean style. Kevin Warren of the uh, Big 10 conference the president comes out and says we are delaying the sports season the fall sports season to the spring now we have a segment down later in the show we'll get i'll go in depth but he uh he delays it based on where they are with rapid testing contact tracing trends and he doesn't say if the vote was unanimous now based on the team's reactions nebraska ohio state michigan penn state we're pretty sure it's not unanimous um nebraska the heavy hitter says we gone on that day they are looking elsewhere okay Um, i want i want to Come back one second to this vote. Who were the voting parties? We don't know. We don't know. It hasn't been confirmed whether they're presidents, athletic directors, a combination. The the universities. The Big Ten universities. The members of the Big Ten. It's very vague. Were together in this and said, and this is the Big Ten, said, based on where we are with rapid testing, contact tracing, trends, and uh, where we stand, 
we are going to postpone the conference. He gets on the Big Ten channel. They try to question him several times, asking him some pertinent questions. And like I said, I'll get into this in another segment, speaking specifically on Mr. Kevin. But he can't be pinned down. Several hours later, the Pac-12 comes on TV, and they say, we're going to postpone too. They cite specific medical evidence, reasoning, who's behind it, who's voting, um, and a well-done, well-thought-out press conference. So on that day, two conferences bail out. The SEC on that day said, we're still in. The ACC says, we're still in. The SEC president says, we're going to, going to examine those guys who postponed decision, and we're going to play it slow. We still believe we can play. We believe we have the systems in place to play. Um, and we're going to go from there. At that point, and we might need to clarify this here in a second, but the general consensus was it all rested on the Big 12. If the NCAA heard from another conference that they were going to cancel, then all championships would be canceled. Turns out that just means Division I championships, not FBS championships. So all sports minus college football championship would be canceled if another conference canceled. So everybody's eyes were to the Big 12 for every other sport but, but football. So there we are, Tuesday, sitting in the lurch. Lots of hard feelings about this. Lots of players tweeting. Lots of people were lost. No real plan for what it was going to look like in the spring. We still don't have one. Then Wednesday comes. Big 12 comes out and says, we're in, baby. We're still playing. Nebraska said, after being heavily scolded, guess we're staying with the Big Ten because they would have to pay money. Don't so then Scott, today – Don't tell Scott Frost that. He's going to run the wing tee right into whatever conference lets him play. Ohio State was still exploring, and there was some funny stuff with Ohio State. Ryan Day was still exploring – the athletic director um, had some mixed messaging. He came out saying he and the president are on the same page. And then he and Day are exploring. And then Day came out then at some point said that he's still exploring. And then the athletic director said, we're no longer exploring. And we're going to get into that in my next part here. A senator from Nebraska, Mr. Ben Sassy said, let them play. So there was a lot of holy hell backlash. Now, I'm going to take, I'm gonna skip Thursday and Friday. Um, I will say the Big East came out and said they're not playing. So that did, in fact, cancel all other championships in, in the NCAA, minus FBS football. Um, now, some things – I know I'm doing doom and gloom and – 
I'm making it sound like this was a really bad decision, but some things I do want to call attention to. Um, today, the NCAA chief medical officer says that given the current state of testing alone, he sees there's no way sports, college sports, can continue. Also today, Justin Fields from Ohio State wants to launch a petition to have the Big Ten reconsider. This morning, it started out small. By the time we started this show, it was up to 200,000 signatures. And we're not just talking students. There are celebrities who have signed it. There are um, announcers, sportscasters who have signed it. So it's gaining traction. Parents from, parents from the schools of Penn State, Ohio State, Nebraska, and Iowa have all sent letters to the Big Ten asking for clarity, reasoning, and a plan moving forward. So there's a lot of movement, and I think people are trying to have a glimmer of hope that the Big Ten will reconsider. Um, I don't know that that's a thing. And here's why. Before I get there, I'm sorry. And the SEC schedule will be out tomorrow. Now, some things we need to talk about before we put this to bed. Okay. First off, I want to ask a clarity question here. Yeah. Mark Emmer came out on Thursday from the NCAA and said that all fall sports championships are canceled. Because of the Big East. Did you hear me? Yes. You kind of froze there. I thought you'd said that the FBS was still active or potentially active. The FBS has no – the FBS is not part of the NCAA's jurisdiction. According to Mark, the FBS championship is a contractual thing between all the conferences and television. So while the NCAA can oversee the – regular sports it does not control the um, proceedings for that championship I read it today even though they have a committee to pick those in the playoff it's not their committee it is the championship committee not sanctioned in any way by the NCAA I don't believe I believe it's a weird gray area where they have it's all part of a partnership the NCAA sanctions the rules of play sanctions the rules like recruiting and things but the championship itself is dictated outside of the NCAA and who profits from the championship game that's a great question we could probably have a whole other segment on I agree that that was my my deep dive there was yeah. if that is true, then where does the millions of dollars come from and where does it go? Well, I think that's where the play remember our, our remember our conversation about splitting it into the power five and saying, screw the NCAA. Yes. I think that's how, why that's a, a reasonable thing to do. 
Anyway, I want to highlight something, and I've, I've done a lot of research. I've actually spoken to medical professionals. While the, and again, we're going to hit on Kevin later. The information provided by the Big Ten commissioner was bad in the sense of he didn't give any. 15 Big Ten players have myocarditis. You know what that is, Muff? Well, myocardial infarction is a heart attack, so this is a heart-related condition. Correct. So apparently, when you get there's a possibility that one of the blowbacks of COVID is that your heart becomes enlarged. When it becomes enlarged, just like a muscle, it then becomes overworked and essentially short circuits. So it kind of just gives you insta-death. So uh, think of it like short-circuiting because it's overworking and you just go. You blow a fuse. Yep. Um, it start. It, people have seen it in mono. So it, like things of swelling, and it, and it goes. Now, it can create long-term issues with scarring. We don't know the extent of the damage it can do to the body. Um, Nine players in Oklahoma today tested positive for COVID. We know a lot of these players are, have tested for COVID. The problem is like Michigan said, we have not only tested our players for COVID, but we are also testing for myocarditis. You can see it on an x-ray. You can do things to make yourself aware of it. The logic behind the Big Ten and the Pac-12 is we don't want to make our players susceptible to these long-term, long-term effects down the road. And because we don't know we're going to cancel the season. That's part of their logic. When Kevin was asked about it specifically, he said that's part of the decision-making, this, this blowback of COVID. I don't necessarily like that answer. It's good reasoning. I, I see it, but how can it just be part of and not a larger it should be a big issue. I mean, 15 of your guys in the conference have it. I, I, to me, if you came out and made that your principal issue, I see why you canceled the season. He didn't use that as his sticking point. Another sticking point, his son plays in the SEC. When asked about, hey, you're saying football is unsafe. Your son plays in the other conference. You've canceled this conference. Are you going to let your son play? He said, my family and I are reviewing it. Well, if you just said all of these players shouldn't play, what is there to review? And this is Kevin Warren from the Big Ten. Yes, sir. So 
I can appreciate the fact that he has a very interesting position. He has a professional position of which he has to utilize the information available to him and around him to make an informed decision for the athletes of which he is responsible overall. He can then also remove himself individually with his family, taking that knowledge with him and understand that his son still has an option of this and he may still have the option within that conference to play. I can appreciate the fact that there's some duality in that decision-making process. He doesn't have to personally go with everything that he knows about professionally because he's, he may be the person that's making that decision, but he's not solely the person that's responsible for all the information to make that decision. I think we'll get back to Kevin in a later segment. <laughs> but to put a bow new segment on alert, the def- new segment alert, new segment alert. <laughs> Um, to to put a bow on this segment, uh, I think college football for 2020 is dead. Whether the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC come to that conclusion, I don't know. I think the jury's out 50-50. I think this myocarditis is a big thing to be worried about. Nobody wants a player to be running down the field and just drop. No one. I don't care how much I love college football and the great scene you painted. You're absolutely right. I love – that is exactly what I do every Saturday. I mean, my four-year-old wrote Coach Day a letter because she was that upset and didn't want him to be upset. I mean, college football is life. But if it's that or watching a young man run down the field and drop and die – and not get to live the rest of his life. I'll write. I'll have my four-year-old, and I'll write letters to Coach Day and every other player, and say, "I'm sorry that you didn't get your season, but I'm glad you're still alive." So that's where I'm at right now. Okay, I'm going to tie this up with one bit of information that, to me, I want to say slightly. It doesn't combat what you're saying and it is not adversarial to what you're saying, but it puts in a different perspective for me is all of this came out and their schools for fall sports are still allowed to have 20 hours a week of their, we'll say, non-competitive activities. I forget, CARA is the acronym, but I forget what it stands for. Um, To me, if this was truly about player health and player safety, from top to bottom, there would be a halt on all athletic team-related activities if health was really at the forefront. So to me, and I understand it's an NCAA decision and schools and conferences still have the ability to make their own decision on that, but I have not heard a conference come out and say all team-related activities have been put on hold. I have not heard a conference say that yet. So to me, I do have, I think, a little bit of an issue with health being a primary concern, but still allowing these team-related activities to occur because the risk is still there if you're talking about the myocarditis, myo, I forget, myocarditis. Yes. That's, that's still an option that can happen. And to be fair, the majority of the issues that occur as far as you're looking at deaths in 
recent and even I think in long-term history at this point that happen during sports seasons are typically in that conditioning phase, are in those team-related activities within the first two, three, four weeks whenever student-athletes are not at their peak conditioning. So that's still a possibility throughout all of this and could be even further exacerbated by this condition which you've alluded to. So to me, I just – I have an issue with saying, ah, you can still do some stuff, but you're just not going to play the games. Like, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think there are some underlying other reasons these conferences are canceling. I think it is ironic that these kids have said they want considerations. Um, they start to look like they're unionizing, and all of a sudden these schools are more willing to cancel the season. Um, I think if they can go to be in dorms and they can come to be in classes and they can't play football, reason that out for me. I agree, but I still stand by. I'd much rather not have football than watch one of them drop. Now it's time for the Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five. <laughs> and this week we have an interesting collection of materials. Starting out, we're going to let Jim, the consummate, National Hockey League fan, discuss and take you on his experience through a five-overtime game that occurred earlier this week. Holy hell. So, obviously, with the college football news, I needed something to pick me up. So, I'm in Columbus. I'm thinking, you know what, let's watch some Blue Jackets hockey. I don't know much about hockey, but let's watch some hockey. I was sitting at work, and I was like, man, this stinks. How are the Jackets doing? And they were they were, they were winning. I thought, hey, the Jackets are up end of the third period. I was like, maybe they won. So I drive home. I'm thinking, well, yeah, this is cool. Maybe we got an up thing for the, for the city of Columbus. I get home. I look on Twitter. The game's still going. I'm like, that can't be. Because that was like 4 o'clock. I'm home. It's like 6 o'clock. The game is still on. It, it lasted – 157 minutes and 27 seconds. Seven and a half periods. That's the longest game. And I don't, I've never sat down for a full game and watched on television. <laughs> to be fair, Ever. it was not the longest game. It was, it was the fourth longest playoff NHL game. It was the longest game I've ever watched in my life. There were three longer that happened. Think about that. I don't know how these guys did it. Kudos to them. I don't even care who won. It was a feat of athleticism that I didn't think was possible. And, but the way, the way it went down in the end kind of sucked. The Jackets did lose. I, it, it felt very anti-dramatic when it, when it was over. It was like, oh, well, okay, that, it's over. Like, I feel like I should have gotten something out of it. I feel like if the fans were in the crowd, it would have been better. Um, the Jackets are now – they won the next game, then they lost the third game. So it's, again, not feeling real good about Columbus here. But it was a trip. It was fun to watch. He had a goalie that made like 80-some saves. Yeah, he was on fire, man. He was, in, in the hockey terms, he was standing on his head. Well, and to be fair, he, he saw one of his guys get hit in the face or in the neck with a puck. It was a little distracting. And then he, he missed the you know game winner. I mean – it's not really his fault on that one. He had played seven and a half periods and then sees his friend get hit in the face with a puck. 
And to think about what a goalie, not, I mean, a goalie has got a lot going on. They got all, a lot of pads on. You got to think, think about getting into a, a knee, a, a wall sit oh. position. Yeah. For, squat there for that long. Yeah. It's obviously not the entirety of that time, but we'll say, you know, at least a third of that time, a goalie is probably within that squatted position. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, Moth. I'm probably not going to watch another hockey game. Holy uh, crap. I don't know I if fear you can... that I got to sit there that long. Well, it's not normal, but you, not you pick... having not having fans in hockey is stupid. Pick the hell of a day to start watching hockey, that's for sure. That is one sport that needs its fans back. It's like tennis. <laughs> back and forth, back and forth. Uh well, so up next on the Fast five, fast five, fast five. <laughs> what do you want to hit next, Muff? Have we got it, uh, we got the Cormier Stipe fight. Old Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier. Let me tell you, this is the third installment of this fight. Mm-hmm. Built to be a mega, the be all end all of this trilogy. Yes. And I feel. The fans were not treated with the most uh, – I don't know how to phrase this. They didn't get their money's worth. Great fight. Um, I, didn't get, I watched the highlights. I read the reviews. Um, Cormier came in heavy. Tip surprise, the last two. surprise. Yeah. He's been well, he sitting came. there announcing for the past two months, and the man came yeah. in a little heavy. Yeah, he came in a little heavy, about 15 to 20 pounds heavier than he did the other two fights. Um, Cormier's a heck of a wrestler, but Stipe saw it coming. Um, he got a, Cormier got poked in the eye, and his eye swelled shut. I was, I think, was in, not, the third, in the third round. Yeah, it was not a good. Post-fight presser, he made mention that he couldn't see right out of that eye for the rest of the time. Yeah, he so. and then it was – it was scored close, you know, but I mean, Stipe handled his business and, and took care of that wrestling game after that. Um, it's the only one Ohio had, Stipe being from Cleveland. So good on Ohio. But the interesting thing I want to talk about is did you see Twitter at all? I don't know. Did Derek Lewis come in and talk about having to take a shit again? No, that would have made it so much better. Well, but John. Cokehead Jones. Oh, oh, wow. You went deep on him. <laughs> yeah. Was kind of live tweeting during this, saying how he wants a shot at the uh, winner. And he was rooting for Cormier because, you know, they have beef and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But for, for me, why does Cokehead think he deserves a shot at anybody? Because he's the best that there ever was, Jim. At what? Getting in trouble? I mean, that's what he succeeds at. And then whenever he's able to not get in trouble, he's also a pretty good fighter. I don't think he should be allowed in the ring. And this guy's just calling his fights. It's not like he's Conor McGregor where, like, oh, you smacked an old guy in a bar. Oh, you threw a chair in a bus. This guy commits felonies. Like, get out of here with this. So, 
Yeah, that was the like he kind of put a damper on this whole thing, and and DC being heavy kind of put a damper on it. So the highlight is a guy from Ohio won the trilogy. So good on that. So that's my uh, number two for the Fast Five. Number three, your boy and mine, Joe Kelly. Oh, Joseph Kelly back in the fold. Gotta love him. So I don't know who he was on. He was on the Big Swing podcast talking about the uh, Astros again. I think this should be a regular segment. We should probably take this out of the Fast Five eventually. We'll just call it the Cheating Bastard segment. So Joe Kelly says, they know they're cheaters, but now they mess it up, ruining other people's lives. So they effed it up twice. When you taint someone's name, you save your own name. This is one of the worst things they could have probably done. I think I'll be irritated forever. He goes on to say about the fight, I socially distanced. I walked away. I didn't get close. I followed all the guidelines of the CDC, and the people on the other, sli- on the other side didn't. They walked out of their dugout, walked towards us. Carlos Carrera effing spit at our team. I don't know if it was at me. He, he spit out of his mouth. This guy walks over to the dugout, and then he spits. Well, I follow all the rules, and I get eight games. They have a manager, Dusty Baker, on their side, verbatim yelling at me, get your little skinny ass on the mound. So my cuss words get me eight games. His cuss words get zero. This makes complete sense, right? Welcome to planet Earth, a debacle. Joe Kelly just comes out of the clouds again, just raining down truth bombs. This man is our hero. He is our show's hero. Him and Derek Lewis, man. They're, they should be on our T-shirts. They aren't the heroes we need, but they are the heroes we deserve. Absolutely. So kudos to you, Joe Kelly. Tell it how it is. And just to wrap up the, the bench clearing brawl that happened last weekend, Alex Cora got a 20-game suspension from the Astros. The hitting, or the he's the bench coach, I believe. Twenty games. Uh, again, we have zero players at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but let's let's, pretty, get another, let's get another coach from the dugout. Let's let's suspend him twenty games. But all you players, you're still good. Don't you worry. I think Astro players have some dirt on the uh, commissioner of the MLB. On Manfred, Manfred's yeah. just cowering, sitting behind. I don't know what he had. He probably got a bookcase somewhere somewhere in his office. Exactly. So, number four, tight end contracts, Muff. What do you got for us, buddy? Tight ends. So, we had two big contracts come up this week. We had number one, George Kittle of the San Francisco 49ers getting a five-year extension worth $75 million. That's $15 million per, which is the highest tight end contract of record shortly after that shortly after this we have the next contract extension coming out and this would be travis kelsey travis kelsey of the kansas city chiefs and i'm still not sure if we're allowed to say chiefs if we can't say our words i'm not sure where this falls into the grand scope yet 
but we're still going to go with Chiefs as long as we're, as long as everyone else is going to. Fair enough. So Chiefs sign <clears throat> Travis Kelsey to a four-year extension. I think it's about fifty-seven million. So he's again just under that that fifteen million per. So this is huge because it just set, it just continues to set that bar higher. So George Kittle is a transcendent a transcendental once we'll say in a 10 year ish type of talent. That's how he's being billed right now. That's why he gets his contract. He not only um, is able to go out, run routes, create those mismatches with linebackers, but he's also pretty much in their scheme, an extra tackle. He's an extra blocking lineman. So George Kittle is the entire package. He's able to run the routes. He's able to catch the ball. Um, He's just a freak athlete is really what it comes down to. Um, Then we have Travis Kelsey, more of the typical receiving tight end. Should you think of more kind of what Gronkowski was um, in his last couple of years in New England? Gronkowski, you know, you weren't really too concerned about him on the line just because he had those health issues and he wasn't 100%. Um, but you knew he was going to be about go out and get those, get those catches and, you know, be a, a force in the red zone. Travis Kelsey, Kelsey is still healthy enough to, to block, but he, again, is just not known for that. Um, so this is huge, I think, in setting that, setting that mark. And there's actually some interesting information um, that I came across. It was kind of calling to light um, how much of a bargain when you think about this um, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey right now are compared to some wide receivers. So if you're looking at some receivers that are making a similar kind of money right now, you've got Jarvis Landry of the Browns, who is in a current deal of five years, 75 and a half million. Think about Jarvis Landry is probably the second, it will is at least the second best receiver on the Browns behind Odell Beckham Jr. He is getting just as much money as the number one tight end of the league who can create a mismatch on every play with either a linebacker or potentially um, a cornerback out on the edge. So the value you're getting from George Kittle right now at that is going to mean that if tight ends continue to come out in this light and dominate the game, these contracts are going to keep going up and you may start to see some tight end contracts rival some, you know, not top receiver options, but maybe that bottom level of the top tier receivers just because of what they can do in a scheme like Gronkowski did at New England. Um, you can literally scheme around a tight end to create those mismatches across the field. So I think that's interesting. Um, and you've got some um, other notables in the next couple years that are going to have contracts come up. Um, I think the biggest one that I'm seeing coming up is uh, Zach Ertz. Um, Zachary's mm-hmm. contract comes up, I think, after this year. Like he's eligible for extension. Um, if he puts together another good year, he may be one of those that rivals, or maybe you know, gets a little bit more over. Maybe, maybe not a four or five year deal, but you might see Zachary's get a two to three year deal worth like sixteen per. Is my thought moving ahead. So I think this is just a ground ba- groundbreaking week for tight end contracts. I'm interested to see what happens after this. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting tidbit to think that tight ends are now becoming a bigger factor in the NFL. I don't know about a lot of tight ends coming out of college being relatively known. It's a different game in college. So I, I wonder how that may change the game of college football, if we ever have college football again. But 
I, I want to see because I know Ohio State because obviously I'm a fan started to implement the tight end and then they went away from it and then Ryan Day is bringing it back so I think the tight end is starting to come around and I think Gronk was the the play of Gronk in New England was what brought that back so I think I think you're right I think it's a, a definitely an interesting thing to watch so thank you for that tidbit Muff I just want to point out number one that the tight end position, while it may be coming back to your your Ohio State University, Penn State has been doing a lot of good things in the tight end position over the past five to ten years, including Pat Fryermuth, who's there right now, Jesse James, which has graduated recently. Um, you've just got some some good tight ends that have come out of Penn State uh, recently. Mike Kosicki, So, Do any of them have Big Ten championship rings on their finger? Uh Yes. Okay. Mike Kosicki does. Okay. Because of, you know, the time that Penn State beat Wisconsin, and then somehow Ohio State ended up in the playoff. Just going to throw it right. out there. All right, moving on to number five. <laughs> so We're really friends, people, we swear. We are. FC Dallas soccer we're going to go to. Mind you, Muff and I are not soccer people, so we're – we screw this up. We're sorry, but not not big into the footy. So, FC Dallas versus FC Nashville. In, in the games in Texas, they allowed five hundred. I'm sorry, five thousand fans into the stadium. Dallas tells Nashville, "Listen, guys, we're going to kneel for the national anthem." Apparently, they've been telling all the teams, "We're going to kneel for the national anthem." Everybody was cool with it. As far as team to team, um, prior to fans come, being allowed in, the national anthem at times was not played at all. But Dallas tells Nashville we're going to kneel during the national anthem in Dallas. The fans, Dallas's fans, reacted poorly, throwing bottles booing, cursing, losing their minds. Um, Reggie Cannon did an interview after this saying, more or less, I can't believe our own fans turned on us and don't understand that we aren't protesting the national anthem. We're trying to bring awareness to, you know, Mr. Floyd and others I can't believe our own fans did this. Reggie Cannon then receives death threats for giving that interview and kneeling. I don't necessarily... Let me say why we put this in our Fast Five. It got all the way to me. People were talking to me saying, did you hear about this situation? I had not. So I looked it up, and I brought it up to Muff. Muff, you didn't hear about it. And we both researched it. I don't necessarily – I don't know where to go with this. I don't think that it's okay to threaten someone for a silent protest. I understand that the national anthem is a hot-button topic. 
I understand that kneeling during the national anthem will fire people up. But to threaten that person, to throw things, to cause physical harm or attempt to cause physical harm to this person is ignorant. Yes. That, I mean, that's, I think that's the best, maybe not the, maybe not the most, there are other words that could be said, but ignorant, I think, covers, covers the, the response pretty well. Um, I, so I'm, I'm at odds, not with the fact that there was a silent protest, because I have no issue with that. I, you know, I support that as, as their, you know, their option to, to make that statement at that point. Um, I in no way support what the fans did. Uh, how they responded, not just at that time, but also afterwards with, you know, tossing, you know, threats towards a man for, you know, really at that point, just being the spokesperson for the, the team. You know, he, he didn't do that individually, but he individually decided to make a statement or right. address it in an interview. Um, I think, honestly, at this point, uh, the kneeling during the anthem obviously it has not run its course if it's receiving that emotional mm -hmm. reaction. Right. Um, but this is my personal opinion and I may have many come at me at this, but I think at this point, I think the time for the kneeling, I'm not going to say it's over because it can't still make an impact, but I think at this point, the substance behind the reason for the kneeling has to take over from the action of kneeling during the anthem. Um, because the kneeling has happened in, at this point, every major professional sport that has come back, with the exception of, I don't remember anybody in the NHL kneeling, but you're also in a kind of, it's in a different situation. I don't know how they, you know, you're on skates. I just don't know if that's, I mean, it's feasible, don't get me wrong, but I just don't know. Um, I mean, you had that speech the first night um, where they're, the person who oversees their kind of diversity initiative committee came out and I think he did take a knee during the national anthem and was supported by the other players on the ice. Um, but to me personally, I think at this point, it's time for more substance behind that. Is there any type of um, financial backing to these actions? Are there any, anything, is there anything going on in the community? Is there anything surrounded around voting that the upcoming election, like to me, I just think there's more substance than has to have that has to happen right now than kneeling. Kneeling was a good start. It was a good way to create attention to, um, to this issue. But I think at this point we're kind of getting past that. And it's just, it's, it's not, it's kind of just lip service now. And I'm ready to see more substance behind the, the athletes than that singular action. Um, and to be fair, there may be, we both admit yeah. that we don't, yeah. we don't know what, we don't know much about soccer. We don't know about this league. And, and Reggie Cannon may be yeah. very well doing things, mm -hmm. but I, I, I see what you're saying that there should be substance behind it. Um, I've talked to friends who believe that kneeling during the national anthem is disrespecting the soldiers. Um, I respect your, their stance. I don't agree necessarily with that stance. Um, I see their stance. Uh, and this is I, I'm, I'm sorry I'm gonna interject real quick here is it disrespecting do people that you've talked to see it as disrespecting soldiers or do they see it as disrespecting the flag which in turn disrespects soldiers the people I've talked to believe that the those who fought for your freedoms 
that the national anthem is your moment to honor those people who fought for your freedoms. You can kneel before, mm -hmm. but to kneel during is disrespectful for those people. Okay. So, they, so those people are seeing as disrespect of a person, not of a flag and of a national ideal. It's a personal right. thing. It's not a, a nationalistic stance. If Correct. that makes sense. Okay. That's okay. Correct. Okay. And so I am of the stance that I don't know what else you want people to do to protest. Like people are unhappy when they're marching. People are unhappy when people are giving speeches. People are, people are always going to be unhappy when they're drawing attention and making people uncomfortable. I don't know what there is to do. I know that things need to change. And if this encourages change, good. Like you and I are talking about it. You mm -hmm. and I are using our platform because these guys took a knee. So we're calling attention to it. So obviously it did had some effect on two guys in the Midwest. Or, or in the, I'm sorry, not the Midwest. The Rust I'm, Belt. I'm speaking on turn here. The Rust Belt. The Rust Belt, you know. Appalachia, maybe. These guys are in Dallas. Yeah. They're, they, here we are talking about it. So it had some effect. Um, and they got it. They, they, did, they did something. So good on them. But for them to be accosted, things thrown at them, death threats. And they went so far as to like, hey, guys on the other team, we're going to kneel. We're not surprising you with this. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it was organized. It was, I also think maybe, you know, your audience there, you, I don't know why they were surprised. Like to make the comment, I can't believe our own fans didn't support us. You're in Dallas, Texas. Like, I think knowing your audience, you shouldn't say, I'm surprised. I, <laughs> There's, there's a Jerry Jones. To mind a Jerry lot. Jones has said. Yeah, there's Jerry Jones said, uh, "If you kneel, you're fired." So those words came out of his mouth. Um, read the room. I think is the term that's used here and there. Read the room. Yeah. But anyway, that's that. that segment. Everybody that is the number five. Fast five. Fast five. Fast five. <laughs> The NBA seating came out. Uh, I'm going to run through the way it broke down. First, and, first uh, I wonder what I uh, who was the who was the MVP of the play-in games. Uh, Damian Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, out in Portland. But we're not going to talk about that till the end. I'm saving that. Okay. Okay. Damian I'm Lillard. Saving that. That's a, that's the highlight of the segment. But because of what he said during the game. Go ahead. How everybody needs to put Go respect. Ahead. How everyone needs to put respect on the man's name, not in those exact words, because yes. we're a family-friendly show. Right. Right. I'm. I'm not sure. It's a good teaser for the end. I'm just not sure if he's at that point where he can just start dropping bombs like that for people. Well, you you look at the stat lines from the last three games. The boy's on fire in the bubble. Okay. All right. So, the East. Milwaukee Bucks, number one seed versus the eight seed, Orlando Magic. Shaq doesn't play for the I Magic anymore, Jim. You're right. 
So I have the Bucks winning in four. These are confirmed okay. all seven game series, right? I believe so. <laughs> Listen, man, it's the NBA. I'm just shooting from the hip here. Let's go. Let's go. So who's the all best right. player? Who's the best player on the Bucks? Muff. This is my highlights. Quit trying to take over my segment. Okay. Giannis Antetokounmpo. All right, we're moving on. Next, next seed, number two, the Raptors, versus number seven, the Nets. I got the Raptors in four. You taking? Why not the, the, You're taking the team way up north. Yeah, the Raptors uh, may not have Kawhi, but I think they'll pull it out. Okay. Kyle Lowry. Next up. Kyle Lowry. Next up, the Celtics at three versus the 76ers, 76ers at six with no Ben Simmons. Celtics, four, with, uh, they'll lose one, though. So it's going to be a five-game series. Okay, there we go. You're picking okay. a lot, you picked a lot of sweeps here. Oh, yeah, the first two are sweeps. You, the next you're one's just, not going to be a sweep. You're just sweeping. Yeah, well, listen, it's my, it's, it's my segment. All right. All right. Let Jim run with this, ladies and gentlemen. Next up, the Heat and the, and the Pacers. Pacers are four, Heat are five. I got the Heat in a six-game series. See, not a sweep. Do you have any players right. in that matchup? I just want to know. <laughs> no, Muff. Come on, man. I don't know a lot about the players. I just know what I'm going to pick here. I just, I'm just interested to see how you broke this down. Like, what's what statistics you're using? I did. I went by what my daughter says. I went with my heart. Okay. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to go backwards in the West. You start with that okay. that four five matchup. Yeah. The Rockets and the Thunder. If Russ comes back. I got the Rockets for – but it's going to be a seven-game series. Okay. Okay? Okay. If he doesn't come back, it's going to go the other way around. Okay. Next up, three are the Denver Nuggets versus the Jazz at six. I got the Nugs in a six-game series. Taking the Nugs. All right. The next two uh, series, these are the ones to watch, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay. I got number, t- number two, L.A. Clippers versus number seven, the Dallas Mavericks. I got the L.A. Clippers with Kawhi, George, and uh, however you say his last name, starts with a B. Bull Bull. Yeah. They're going to win that <laughs> four and a five-game series. Okay. Now this one's tough, Muff. Okay. You got Braun versus Lillard. It's going to go a seven-game series. Oh, you're, you think it's going to go seven? It's my only seven-game series in the whole thing. But I'm taking the Lakers. Lakers in seven. So put yep. respect on my name, Damian Lillard. It's going to get shot yep. down in seven. Yep. Have you seen some of the memes that have come out about that, by the way? Just I have not. Some of the comments. He's being compared to quarterbacks in the NFL who 
take responsibility for a pass breakup whenever the QB throws it 10 yards over a receiver's head. They have likened his statement to that. He's on fire. He's on fire. You could have five games. Jeremy Lin had about a 20-game stretch for the Knicks a couple years ago. That man's not even in the league anymore, I don't think. He's still getting paid money, though. He's putting the proverbial butts in seats, man. (laughs) What seats? The uh, you can sign up and see the you the know virtual... your face on the screen the virtual seats, <laughs> butts <laughs> in virtual seats zero butts in seats. There's faces on screens, <laughs> faces on screens. <laughs> so some buff. What do you think? Am I, am I way off here? I, I mean, you. I don't. Did you pick any underdogs to win? <laughs> I, I don't know if you did. And if you did, it was in a 4-5 matchup. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I appreciate the fact that you uh, you go with the teams that have shown the best records. I mean, I yeah. appreciate that about you. Um, but I think that there's going to – I think there's going to be at least one 6-3 upset in this, in this situation. So, okay. That's my, that's my prediction. I'm not sure which conference, but – I don't think there's at least one six three upset, um, but I think chalk will hold in the majority of these matchups. Who do you have coming out as the champion? I mean, I know this is the first round here. Who's I your have pick? I have a soft spot for the Raptors making it happen. You think? Without Kawhi, the Raptors have still managed to be a two seed in their conference um, without Kawhi. And they have just shown the teamwork and they've shown the ability to continue to be successful and play, um, just play good basketball, just solid basketball. I do not think the Lakers are going to win. Um, in fact, I don't, even th- I don't even think the Lakers are going to come out of the Western Conference. Um, again, I'm not sure who's going to be there, but I don't think the Lakers are going to be the team that comes out. Um, but I'm, I got a soft spot for the Raptors. I'm going to go with the Raptors in the, in the championship against uh, – who's the three seed? The Nuggies? No, that's not going to happen. Who's the Clippers? The, that would be that to me would be the matchup made made in heaven right now. You've got Kawhi going back up against his old team in the finals. I'm going to say that just for just for viewership. I will tell you, it's going to be an LA team out of the West. Okay, fair. I'm, when I'm, we started this show several episodes back, I was obviously the Lakers, but. Shooting and scoring out of the Lakers in the bubble has not been good. Plus, I just, want, I, to see Dr- I just want to see Drake continue to get involved. Hunger uh, Toronto's in it. Do you think he'll get one of those guest passes? To get into the, into the bubble? Into the bubble? If they make it to the finals, I bet you see him there at least one game. Uh, he'll get a guest pass. That's why I'm not rooting for the Raptors. Drake. He makes enough guest appearances on everybody else's stuff. He doesn't need to be in the bubble. We need more Drizzy Drake, everyone. We need more. I'm out. But that's the seeding. I feel like it's pretty good. I feel like they've all earned their spot. I don't feel like, oh, what are they doing there? I feel pretty good about the seeding. So I'm interested in it. I'll probably watch some more basketball as we progress. Well, we all know know there's not something to look forward to here in a few weeks. Right. Right? So I'm just going to keep my eye on the bubble. Um.
This show has been a Debbie Downer this week. I'm sorry, guys. So and, that, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is Jim's breakdown of the NBA. Stay <laughs> tuned next week for more quality content. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you a new segment. New segment alert. Calling, new segment alert. New segment alert. What I'm calling the ass out of the week. We will be doing an ass hat every week who we deem just exemplifies a certain characteristic. Um, more, more specifically, this, this is the certificate that we have, we have made. And this is a reading directly from that certificate. So later on, once Jim reveals this week's ass hat of the week, this person will have exemplified these characteristics. A worthy performance this week in the field of ass-hattery, the ancient art of screwing things up, making a shit show of life, or generally just pissing us off. Yeah. So I thought hard about this, and I was going to go, you know, there were some worthy candidates. Stephen A. Smith, who thought Aaron Rodgers should play for the Bears. Duh, Bears. Uh, the Cleveland Indian player who got sent home because he thought he should go out on the town in Chicago. Um, but we all know the real asset of the week is Kevin Warren, commissioner for the Big Ten. And I know you're thinking, well, it must be because he canceled or postponed football. Or that he was the first conference to come out and do that. Real conference, Power Five conference. But that's not it. Hey, nay, nay. I'm doing this solely based on, well, not solely based on, but I should because it's the way he delivers things. I'm doing it based on his delivery of the announcement. He could have used myocarditis and really backed it up with research. He could have said, you know, here's the plan. This is the plan moving forward. He could have been very decisive. But instead, he wants to just hem-haw around. He acts like, hey, guys, I told you this could happen. I told you maybe. It's like the parent who says, you know, hey, if you clean your room, you might be able to have this piece of cake. And then you clean your room, and you look for your piece of cake, and there's no cake. And he's like, I said the word might. You're disappointed. Not only that, but then you find a piece of cake right there in the edge of that person's mouth. Yeah. Yeah. He's totally unprepared. Completely. He couldn't answer a question. The coaches of the conference appear to be completely out of the loop. They didn't feel like they had a say in it. He provided no clarity to parents or players. <laughs> All the players are rebelling against him. This man's supposed to be the leader of a storied conference. Instead, he looks like a lost puppy who's just trying to do the right thing, but peed on the floor instead of peeing on the pee mat. So for these reasons alone, he, are, he is the asshat of the week. Hashtag asshat of the week. This week is Kevin Warren, Big Ten Commissioner. Get ready to see his certificate of achievement. 
through our social media at Sports Jim Muff on Instagram or Twitter. Now, if you, the, the viewer or listener, wants to nominate an ass out of the week, hit us up on social media. We'll consider it. It's not just a me thing. Muffle might have an ass out of the week. You can put yours up, and we'll consider them. This is not a gym soul segment. Give us your reasons. If we like them, we'll put them up. So real quick, before we get out of the realm of some social media here, I think we, got a, we have a shout-out to some, some stuff that we got going on, some, some gold material we've had on social media this week. We actually yeah. took a, a fan – a, uh, a fan's tweet and pinned it, pinned it to the profile at this point. So that I think is, is noteworthy. Um, we've got um, at M C C. I don't know how to say this, but uh, Leslie Nope is the name um, at, at M C took a picture of a box that said sports stuff on it and captioned it. No gym, no muff sports stuff, but no gym and muff. We got to, we got a chuckle out of it. What a great tweet. Best tweet we've had so far. Best tweet we have had. So we've got that going on. We've got Ask Scott LaRock continuing to engage with us like that. Uh, Absolutely. And then, you know, we came up with a great idea for our uh, loser of our sports, of our fantasy league. Fantasy league based off of the television show, The League. Um, Anybody that's interested in helping to name our last place trophy, Based on the uh, the thought of, of that TV show, um, we're gonna we're gonna accept any any thoughts on what we can name the last place trophy and or person um, that uh, that is in our league. That last place will receive the distinction of whatever title we come up with. So send us any of your thoughts, and then we're gonna put it to a poll on what that last place person will be will be forever known as for a year. Mm-hmm. And then our fantasy league, I believe, we only have five spots left. Five? We, we picked five. up another one that I'm not aware of. Yeah. Well, the wife says she's in. Ah, there we go. So we have five spots left. We've had, we've had uh, two, two people get in touch with us through, through the Twitter. Um, Jim's wife's in, and then uh, Jim, and, Jim and myself, we're in as well. So we have five spots left. So we're, fill, we're starting to fill up. Again, it's going to be most likely a Yahoo League. We're going to do an IDP as well as um, some manner of points per reception for wide receivers. So get excited. Get excited for a fantasy football league. Smack talkers need to apply. If you're going to get engaged and you want to get us into it, let's go. The last bit of housekeeping we need to attend to, Muff and I have obviously discussed the wake it is happening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we are probably going to do it in October. So be on the lookout for more announcements on the wake. Jim's trying out As new drinks. I have been trying out new drinks. Um, Muff and I will get into details later, but we are going to have the wake probably in October. So look forward to it. And we will That's all have, we have left to look forward to. We will have items from... Our, our top three food and beverage list. So if there's, anything, if there's any other food and beverages that you want to share with us that we should consider having, having present, let us know. Tweet at us. Oh, I got some guest spots. 
for that wake. People are are getting at me. They want to they want to come on our show for the wake. People want to people want to zoom in. Yep. So plans are coming. So as we move on to our uh, quasi deep dive into the NFL. We're in the kitty side of the pool, ladies and gentlemen, in the kitty side. The AFC South. We have our breakdowns of teams, and then we'll give you our records. When Jim says breakdown, we really mean we're going to talk about some offensive weapons, and that's about it. Yeah, maybe some defensive players, but... Maybe some players from Ohio State that Jim thinks are going to change the game. Yeah, maybe. All right, so first up, we have the Colts. Quarterback, Philip Rivers, newly acquired. From Jim's, have, from Jim's team. Yep, the Chargers. We have Marlon Mack, a running back. We have some weapons at wide receiver. Uh, Do we? Zach, well, not bad. I mean, come on. Zach Pascal, Ty Hilton. T.Y. Hilton? Well, it says Ty. I don't know what you want me to do. Is, 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 no, very clearly on everything you go to, it's T.Y. Hilton. There were no periods of the thing I was looking at. Back off me. I disagree. Michael I'm Pittman? I'm interested why you led with Zach Pascal over T.Y. Hilton. Because that's the way I wrote it down. Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. From Ohio State. Tight end, Jack Doyle. And then at free safety, Malik Hooker from Ohio State. Again, Jim glosses over the rookie defensive player of the year last year and Darius Leonard to get to an Ohio State player. That's right. I just want to call, right. just want to call to attention that Jim glossed over the defensive rookie of the year. One hey, of the Muff. best linebackers in the game, Darius Leonard, to get to an Ohio State player. Hey, Muff, did you do research this week? I did. Doesn't sound like I needed to because I knew more about their defensive roster than you did. You could have led this thing, but you were on the golf course, so get off me. Sounds like I still know a little bit more. Nobody said I didn't. I just chose to highlight what I wanted to highlight. All right, get off me. Anything else you want to say about the Colts there, buddy? Nope. I've, aside from you glossed over that and maybe one of the best offensive linemen in the game that they have. In we don't Nelson. talk about offensive linemen. Well, when Quentin Nelson's involved, you have to talk about him because he's like the boogeyman. He'll come around in your sleep and he's going to snatch your throat. Okay. Well, I'm glad you hit it. Good job. You brought him up. That's why this is a two-man show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next up. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars with my man Minshew. The man who can who is immune to coronavirus. <laughs> with that mustache, I mean, come on. At running back, Leonard Fournette. From from where, Jim? Where's he from? LSU. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go ahead, Muff. You can do the, the wide receivers since I always screw those up. Well, well, I think it's because there's an Ohio State guy somewhere in there that you want to mix in. Go ahead. 
But anyway, you've got DJ Shark Jr. Um, came on last year, obviously, under Minshew. And then um, they have played four before. D.D. Westbrook, serviceable number two. Um, again, they really don't have anybody that stands out. They have Tyler Eifert, um, who came over from Where's Cincinnati from? last year. From Cincinnati? Yeah. That's where he uh, came where from. Where did he go to, to college? Tyler Eifert? Yeah. I don't, I don't think they care once they get in the league, but you know, his last uh, okay. team was Cincinnati. Right, which is an Ohio team, but whatever. Oh, oh, that's how you do it? Well, I mean, start we're going to start claiming people from Pennsylvania teams, even though they're from Ohio. <laughs> just, we're just going to start doing that. Go ahead. Anyway, um, we've got we've got that going on, and then at defense, I am going to tell you right now. Looking at their defense, I don't think they've been serviceable over the past two years. No, and there are no names that stand out to me either. Miles um, Jack potentially, but even then, I'm not even going to say that he's somebody that stands out to me. Fair enough. Did you have any any defensive players that you wanted to call call to attention here? No, not at all. Okay. No. Where do you want to go? You want Texans or Titans? Where do you want to go? Oh, we should probably end with the Texans. All right. So the Titans, uh, Tannehill at quarterback, running back Derrick Henry. The beast child, Derrick Henry. At wide receiver, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys. I do believe Corey Davis is not going to be playing much this year. Is he out because of the corona? I do not know if he's out because of the corona. He is on the current um, physically unable to perform list due to off-season toe surgery. So he's on the pup list, which means I don't think you can come back to like week fourteen, maybe. So hmm. or I forget the week, but he he's he's not going to be not going to be active for at least at least the first half or longer of the season. Do you see any defensive weapons? Well, <clears throat> do I see any? I'm sure there's some there. They obviously did well last year, right? <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I'm not good. I'm not good with any of these guys. Malcolm Butler potentially. Um, Malcolm Butler, I think, is a, is a good D, is a good DB. Um, I think he. I don't know where he went to school, but I feel like he's from mm-hmm. an SEC. I feel like he's from an SEC school. But we're gonna do a little do a little deep dive while we're sitting here. <laughs> Way off. He went to West Alabama. All right. This is why we don't try to talk about players we don't do anything about, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we just get caught. <laughs> Fantasy League, guys, this is why you should play us. We don't know. We are the gurus of nothing. Gurus of none. Not a zip. And now the Texans. We end with the Texans. Quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Running back. By committee. I'm calling it the Johnson Committee. Okay. We'll say it's by committee. David Johnson should be the number one, but I don't know if he's going to make it through the season. Wide receivers, Fuller, Cobb, Cooks. And just this is another tidbit from earlier in the show. Brandon Cooks is slated to make just as much money as George Kittle this year. I love Fuller. 
He has done well for my fantasy teams. I also have had Will Fuller in fantasy teams last year. And then on defense, the man, J.J. Watt. The second best defensive player from his family last year, J.J. Watt. You're the best Watt. Not last year. Doesn't matter. But we'll move on. So I'm off. We're moving, we're, gonna, we're moving on that quickly. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'm not going to fight you on who the best Watt is when I'm always right. So. <laughs> I just said last year. I didn't say he was the best ever. Well, who's the best Watt then? Ever or last year? Ever. Well, ever's not done yet because TJ's just uh, started his career. See what I mean, ladies and gentlemen? You can never – this is a traditional Muff. You can never pin him down. All right. Let's do some records, Muff. Who do you have in the in the rear? Bringing up last place in this division. As much as I don't want to see Minshew falter, it will be the Jacksonville Jaguars bringing up the rear in this division with, again, it pains me to say it, a 4-12 and record. Ooh. I got him at six and ten. That four and ooh, okay, I. All right. In third place, I have the Texans at nine and seven. What do you got, Muff? Hold. Oh. You have to mess with this. Well, I know that I'm the only one that's going to write this down for later, so I've got. I to... have it written down, fool. Yeah, mine. Yeah. <laughs> as, I write it down. as Jim writes down what I just said, I'm typically the one that's, that's keeping track of this. So <laughs> um, tonight we have a little switcheroo. In third place in this division, I have the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, okay. Go ahead. The Indianapolis Colts are going to end up seven and nine. Philip Rivers is not going to make this team a whole lot better. Okay. All right. So in second place, I have the Colts at nine and seven. Okay. I. I'm going to say that the Tennessee Titans are going to be in second place this year. I think they're still going to find a way to to use Derrick Henry to their advantage. Tannehill is just going to continue to just do enough to be good enough for that team to compete. Um, I'm going to have the uh, Tennessee Titans finishing nine and seven. All right, so where are we at now? First place. First place, baby. Uh, There's only one team left, Jim. <laughs> who did I have in second place? The Colts? I don't know, says the man who's looking at the page that had things well, written down have, on. <laughs> I'm writing down yours. I'm all jammed up. I have the Titans at 10 and 6. Jim has the Titans winning the division at 10 and 6. Yeah. I have the Texans winning the division at 11 and 5. There you have it, folks. The breakdown of the AFC South.